the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Welcome everyone to the USL show. Special guest today, Danny Cruz. He's the head coach or the interim head coach for now of Louisville City SC. Also the sporting director. Uh, Danny, how's it going today? It's really awesome to good, talk to you. how are you? I'm good, man. Right. Um, yeah, like I said, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. Every time I've said over and over online, every time someone mentions your name in a broadcast of any kind or a podcast, there's this like this aura of Danny Cruz. And so I guess I've got high expectations today. You think you can uh, live up to that? <laughs> uh -oh, I'll, I'll see what I can do, brother. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're off to an all right start here. Uh, just getting ready. So um, I wanted to start from the beginning. Obviously you played. Let's start from your career. I see you moved around a lot as a kid and, and that hasn't really stopped as an adult. Can you take me back? Yeah, it was uh a military kid born in Virginia, um, moved to Northern California, Arizona. You know, my father was stationed all over. Uh, he was in the army, um, recently retired, thankful for everything he did for, for this country. But a lot of my, you know, my traits, my discipline, those kind of things, you know, they come from that type of family. Um, ended up, uh, getting drafted to Houston. Uh, so I went to college in, in Las Vegas, ended up getting drafted to Houston and moved around quite a bit after that uh, throughout my career. So um, certainly it's been a it's been a whirlwind, um, but eventually ended here in, in Louisville and so far so good. Yeah, I wanted to take you uh, back to when you played at Des Moines Menace. That I'm from St. Louis, and so oh, we have yeah. a lot of connections to Des Moines. They've given yeah. us trouble in the Open Cup before, so that's pretty cool. I'm sure it was uh, different back then. No, definitely, but look at their growth, you know. Um, yeah. Unbelievable uh, organization who's continued to grow. Um, I was fortunate. I wasn't able to play as many games there that summer that I wanted to. Mm. Um, got pulled away for some other soccer reasons. Um, but welcomed me with open arms, treated me with nothing but respect. And, and so I have a ton of, uh, a ton of respect for that club. Yeah. Same here. Uh, nothing but good coming from them. Uh, I also have to bring up the San Francisco Deltas. You were part of that famed season. I imagine you have a story or two about that season. <laughs> what a year, what a city. Um, yeah, listen, that, that was a really close group of guys. Um, who obviously went through some some difficult times together collectively when you're you know you're not sure you know where your future lies because you know the club's gonna go under um, but ultimately you know, look how the season ended for them and uh, one of the most memorable uh, you know, six months I would say in my career for sure. No kidding, that's saying a lot actually too. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. I've definitely heard over and over and over that you guys were really tight and that's really awesome um, to hear yeah. from you as well. Uh, you know, as a St. Louis and Tommy Heineman, so I was following him that year. I imagine you guys are friends. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Good friend yeah. of mine. What a guy. Yeah. <laughs> it seems that way. 
Um, but let's talk about coaching. You got through your career. Was it by the time you hit the deltas, we were already thinking about how you were going to be a coach. When did it click for you in that way? Oh, that's a great question. I think, you know, ultimately from a coaching aspect, it started with the ability to want to connect to the community um, and be around kids a little bit more. Um, and so you start getting a passion for that. It's funny. Um, you know, when I started coaching with, with some kids, you, you always think as a competitive athlete, like, Oh, well, you know, when I'm done, I'm really gonna, you know, I'm going to miss that, um, you know, that itch for competition, you know, things like that. And, um, I tell you what, it doesn't matter what age, when, when you have that ingrained in you, um, it's, it's natural to, you know, to, have those same emotions, even when you're coaching kids as you did when you were playing. Um, and so towards in San Francisco, I was coaching, um, as well as playing. And then when I moved over to Real Salt Lake, uh, I, the opportunity came up, um, toward the, you know, at the end of the season and, uh, Mark Briggs and Dan Egner, Craig Weibel gave me a, an opportunity that, um, you know, I did not want to let slip by. And why was that? Was it just because it was those guys or just because it was an opportunity to coach and get your foot in the door? How, how was it that you didn't want to pass it by? Yeah, it's a good question. I think ultimately I'm looking at the, the people that I, that I get to learn from and work with every single day. Um, and then I felt, listen, the reality was I'd been in MLS for a long time uh, since I was 19 years old. I, had gone to Europe for a year. Um, I had played a couple years in the lower divisions. I had felt I, I had accomplished a, a lot in my own personal opinion and uh, sorry, and goals. Um, and so I felt I was at a club at the time, more importantly, with the people that I wanted to learn and grow from. Um, and ultimately, that uh, was a played a big part uh, in my decision to retire when I did, even though. Um, I was still, you know, in my opinion, relatively young. Yeah. I think of that period of the Real Monarchs and on as being kind of the golden age, you know, having Dan Egner there and Mark Briggs, you know, and I know there were a couple of coaches there that did well, but um, you know, that's when it kind of got good all of a sudden and interesting and such an interesting um, model as far as how to run a, a two side. I thought it was one of the best, there's ever been actually in that way. Um, can you talk more about that and what you've learned from Mark Briggs? I heard that you called him when you were kind of making your first, first lineup, getting ready for your first game as a head coach. Um, I'm sure you've learned a lot from Mark. It sounds like you guys still communicate. Yeah. Listen, I have, you know, there's certainly a lot of people out there um, that I, I would, I would call mentors, right? Guy, people that you want to learn from. And as I said, even when I was playing for him, I had a ton of respect from him from a, a coaching standpoint and a personal standpoint. Um, and so, yeah, we, you know, we had a lot of good discussions and him and I are still, you know, really close. I have a lot of respect for, for what him and Todd are, are doing over in Sacramento. Um, and, and we just, you know, talked about the moment and, and, and enjoying the moment, not getting caught up in, um, in anything other than uh, focusing on getting three points here at home and, controlling what you know what we can control um and so you know a lot of times those those conversations are good to you know just be able to bounce ideas back and forth and things like that you know yeah definitely um well you were close to mark but 
you know, the loss of John Hackworth, which we'll get to shortly, wasn't the first time you experienced that as, as an assistant of any kind. Uh, Mark Briggs left that season. Is there anything you can say that maybe you learned from even that first experience that you're drawing from right now? Um, that must have been weird to come on and as an assistant and, you know, lose the head coach in the same year. Yeah, I think, listen, you, you, at the end of the day, you have to put your head down and go back to work and, and you can't, uh, you, you can't allow things that are out of your control to affect your ability to improve every single day. And ultimately, and it's the same thing I said here, ultimately as the staff, both there and here, we, we had a responsibility and have a responsibility to, to the players, to, um, to make sure that they're prepared on the weekend, that we continue to go out and, and win games. Um, and if you sit there and you dwell on the situation or you, you know, let it affect your decision-making, um, then, you know, mistakes can be made. So ultimately I try to, to focus on, okay, this is where we are and, and what do we need to do to move forward and how can we improve? Um, and that in both scenarios has been kind of, um, you know, my main focus. Yeah. Can you talk about coming to Louisville city? It seems like that's the next thing. Did it come, come from meeting John Hackworth or knowing him ahead of time or how did you end up in Louisville? Yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they called, um, and, you know, expressed, uh, the interest and uh, obviously I knew hack from when I was playing for him a long time ago, uh, as well as at the build LPA union. Um, I think one of the biggest things is the the relationship that him and I have um, both on and off the field. There's a ton of trust. There's a ton of respect. Um, there's understanding that when we push one another, it's ultimately just to get the best out of one another. And ultimately at the end of the day, the goal was always to win a championship. Um, and, you know, the two of us worked really well. And like I said, pushing one another, um, you know, there's certainly a lot of, um, great conversations. There's certainly a lot of, you know, um, challenging one another. And I think that's, we found a really good balance with that. And it was the same when I was playing for him, you know, yeah. um, it really was. And I think that he, he trusted me from a, from a personal standpoint. And I think that's, that's something that's really key in, in this business. Definitely. I found it interesting to think about the transition from James O'Connor to John Hackworth for Louisville City. And you got to experience that change. I think a lot of us were really interested because under O'Connor, it was like such a, a dynasty in a way. I know it was short, you know, it wasn't super long, but Louisville has this R about it. Just like I, I will often refer to people talking about you. Louisville City just means excellence at this point. And when the transition from O'Connor to Hackworth happened, we were all curious if it was going to happen, if it was going to stay that way. Obviously, John did an incredible job as far as uh, the on-field performance. Can you talk about that transition? He made changes. We've seen those changes over the years. They didn't all come at once. Um, I imagine you learned a little bit from that as well. Yeah, listen, I mean, there's there's no, uh, it's no secret the, the success that James had here when he was managing um, I think built a very strong uh, culture, a strong group who, you know, when that transition happened, it was important um, to Hack and I that we were able to, to keep uh, as many players as we could. You know, I think you said it, but the, this club 
I think you put it perfectly, exudes excellence. And the reality is once James left, that expectation remained the same, right? And um, I think we did a really good job, you know, finishing out that that year, obviously, um, and then retaining a lot of those players, which I think you probably know is not easy to do in this league. Um, it just isn't. And I think that's a, a testament to the club, obviously, to, to Hack as well. Um, and so when we were able to retain what, uh, who we were able to retain and then add a couple important pieces. Um, I think that's a big reason that you continue to, you have seen the, the success here. And now we have to, we have to continue to do that. And like I said to you before, you put your head down, you make sure you focus on, on taking care of the players, which this club has always done, at least since, you know, since the beginning, um, as best as they could. We have an unbelievable training ground. We have an unbelievable stadium. Um, the, the players are well taken care of. And so when you look at all of those things, uh, the academy, the coaches that are, you know, in the club, it's a, it's a wonderful place to be. And that started from the beginning, built over years to get to we want, where we are now. And we're just continuing to grow. You talk about the women's team as well. Um, so all these things, I know that's a long-winded answer, but a lot of it, these things exude and encompass the excellence here at, at this club. Long-winded is what podcasts are for, Danny, so take your time, brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you get a lot of accolade for being an assistant uh, coach. People will mention that um, a lot, but I don't know if people realize that you're the sporting director. A lot of what you said there was interesting to, you know, over the years interview a lot of St. Louis FC players and talk to that tech to, uh, technical director in Jeremy Allenball and how it became important to them to treat the players well. And that, that does have a strong bond and, and word gets around the league, right? You know, Oakland Ro roots just had some problems with players. The coach disappeared around the same time. Um, you know, word gets around about that as well. So as a technical director, of course, you guys have returned some incredible players. You lost Lancaster for a year and he came back. That says a lot as well. Uh, can you talk about your role as a sporting director um, in the last several years since you've been with the club and, and all the things you've been able to do or tried to do, even some things perhaps that didn't come off right? No, for sure. So, I, you know, as the technical director, a lot of, a lot of the times, um, you know, Hack and I had a good understanding of what, you know, who we wanted to, to re-sign and, who did we want to, you know, target and go after? Um, and so ultimately the two of us, you know, we would have those conversations with agents or player, depending on how the player was. And, um, and a big piece of that was obviously trying to get these deals done, um, which, you know, we, we certainly did. And then another piece of it, which is a, a, a really big piece that, that I really enjoyed was, um, I was able to go out and look at these academy kids that are that are coming up, right, and through the pipeline, and and be and integrating, doing our best to integrate with Mario Sanchez and and myself. Of okay, these are the players that are coming up. How do they look? Do we feel that they deserve an opportunity to to be in front of the first team? Um, have they continued to grow with the academy? And and then implementing those ideas within the within the group. Um, so there's a lot of, of different roles and responsibilities that can come with, with that title uh, from a technical director standpoint, but ultimately it was, okay, how do we continue to build the team and how do we continue to grow as a club with regard to integrating some of these Academy kids? Hmm. 
that's a hard, hard, hard balance. I've seen a lot of teams give that a try. It's really cool that people value it now. And I'm glad to hear that you are dealing with that, that pull. Um, and we'll get a lot more to that in a minute here, but, um, as far as the transition, um, from John Hackworth, I guess let's just get this out of the way. Can you talk about kind of how you found out about it, that what happened the day of and anything you'd like to say about John Hackworth leaving at this point? Yeah, I would just say, listen, and, and I've said this in the, you know, in the press already, he's my friend, he's my mentor. We will, and we will, and always have had a, a really good relationship. Um, you know, I have a ton of respect for what we did here uh, together. There's no doubt about it. Um, but at this point, like I told you before earlier, my, my focus is, is strictly on the players winning games and continuing to grow as a club. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, um, I have a job to do. Uh, we, as a club, are, are trying to do our best to make sure that we are, are looking forward. And so, you know, he, he knows and, and always will know I have nothing but respect for him. And, and now it's, it's an opportunity for myself and for that locker room to continue the, the success here. And, and make no mistake about it, that's, that's – what I want. And, and I know that's what that locker room wants. Um, it's the most competitive group of people I've ever been around. I can <laughs> tell you that. So it shows for sure. Um, so let's talk about the transition. Uh, I imagine you want to take ownership of this group. This is a really awesome opportunity, but this happened, you know, you've already played a game. Now you've played two after you took over the second game there so it's kind of hard to make wholesale changes. Right. And so I don't know how you view you showing your, your plans for the future or how many changes you can make and if it's going to happen over time, tell me about the transition and, and your plans here. Yeah, it's been, it's, the transition has been good. Um, uh, I think fortunately we have an experienced locker room who's been through, you know, a similar situation in that I'm fortunate to, also have a group of players that, um, you know, they certainly give me everything that they have every day. Um, and from the first training session that I ran uh, since all this happened to today, um, I feel that, that we're continuing to grow together, number one. The mentality has been amazing. Um, and, and certainly when you go through these sort of moments, you, you want to have good people around you that, that understand the ultimate goal, right? And so this group understands that. And this group came back to work the next day um, and we're, we're pretty fantastic. You know, I can't tell you the amount of knocks on the door that you get um, about, you know, nothing but support from, you know, from the group uh, going to give me everything that they have and they have nothing but respect and trust. And those are the things uh, that, that mean the most to me, right? These, this, this job is, is about relationships and building relationships and, and being able to implement ideas collectively as a family, you know, and I felt really good about, uh, the game on the weekend. The execution wasn't exactly, uh, where it needed to be, but I did feel no matter what, that those guys were giving me everything that they could from a physical and mental standpoint. And, I can I can walk away and know that uh, walk away from that game and know that all our heads should be held up. And while we don't want to tie here at Lynn Family Stadium, I can still be really proud of the group, and I was. 
Yeah, I was going to bring that game up. Uh, you just covered it uh, perfectly. Birmingham's a tough team this year. Uh, definitely made some moves in the offseason and did well the season before as well. Um, can you talk about that game as far as what went down and, and how you felt about them and, and your team as well? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, scoring early um, was a was – I spoke to the players before we went out about starting the game right and starting the game on the front foot, coming out with the right mentality. They certainly did that. I think we weathered a little bit of a storm for about 10, 15 minutes there in the first half. Um, after that, I don't want to say comfortable, but I felt uh, we started to implement the game plan. We started exploiting the spaces that we identified throughout the week. We certainly got to the end line like expected um, numerous times. And our final decision with that final ball was just a little bit off. Um, you know, so... And then we, we got hit a little bit in transition, but, you know, I'm looking, we're looking at you know, all the data and things like that. I mean, we concede one shot in the, in the second half um, and it was a penalty, right? So you, you're, you're happy with some of those, you know, with those things with regard to our, our game plan, but ultimately you got to win the game. Um, and, and we didn't do that. So you, you try to improve, which we already, you know, started working on today, especially in the final third. And, and you focus on getting that right for, for next week against San Diego. Yeah, let's talk about, you know, you mentioned the counterattack there. I almost forgot to put this in my notes. I'm glad you said that. Um, you lost Speedy Williams seems to be a pretty big hole to fill this year, and you definitely brought some guys in. Can you maybe talk about the guys you brought in for that role and um, as far as maybe some adjustments? Have you had to make some adjustments in the way that you guys handle that position now? Yeah, I mean, we, we brought, obviously, Tyler Gibson in, um, but we also already brought back a, a lot of uh, – guys that can play in the middle of the field. And, you know, I actually felt that the relationship of um, Napo, Corbin, and Paulo was, was excellent on the night. Um, from a transitional standpoint, we have a tendency to where we get so excited. We want to win the game and we want to push that it leaves us a little bit vulnerable at times, right? And Napo recognizes that, but it's not just him. It's, it's a collective. So, the, you know, the guys in the back, Napo, Paulo, Corbin, and, and certainly you go through the footage and it's clear as day, right? So it's just a little bit having a better balance um, when we're attacking. And and I think that, but with the ball, the, the three of them, I thought were, we implemented the ideas all week. And, and I, I certainly saw that on the weekend. Yeah. Well, and, and that happens to the best teams in the world. It's funny to hear you talking about Louisville doing that. And of course, you know, you can see Dortmund or Man City doing the exact same stuff on any given week, making the same mistakes. So same problems, right? Yeah. Um, why don't you talk about the next matchup you got on May 22nd, Louisville versus San Diego Loyal. Uh, you don't want to underestimate San Diego, but uh, they've had a rough go of it so far. Uh, they might be coming in hungry, I guess, huh? Yeah, listen, I know, I know them very well. Um, they've got a lot of good players. I have a ton of respect for, for both Nate and Landon. Um, you know, especially you look at how they ended the year last year um, and then them still trying to integrate some of these new guys into their, their system. Um, nothing but respect for them. Ben Kazeel, Jack Blake, Charlie Adams, uh, Guido, you know, they, they've got a lot of talent, uh, uh, Metcalf. So these are guys that are experienced in this league. These are guys that have had success in this league. Um, so it's, it's not an opponent whatsoever that we're underestimating. We're not looking at the fact, you know, those two games and, and thinking, okay, you know, no problem. It's the exact opposite. It's listen, they can be dangerous in the areas that we've already started to discuss. 
um, and and we got to be prepared for them. But as I said to you before about Birmingham, you know, the expectation here is we go out and win the game here at home. Um, we have a ton of home games here early in the season, as I'm sure you know, uh, and we need to we need to take full advantage of that. Couple more serious ones, and then I got a fun one at the end. You get to look forward to. Uh, let's move to. Uh, no. I know what the fun one is. I'll yeah. guarantee it. <laughs> the problem you is, I opened up. your Wikipedia page. <laughs> uh, there it is. There yeah. it is. You, the last guy that I interviewed with, everybody, who's putting that on there? We got to find out. <laughs> I think you can try to delete it. You got to, I don't know how that works, but uh, maybe we can talk about that after. Um, but no, let's yeah. talk about injuries. You know, this is another downer before we get to the fun stuff. Um, I just saw an article that Jam, you've got Jorge Gonzalez out, Jimenez having some struggles as well. Those are some major guys in your system. Can you, but you, it sounded like you were pretty confident you'd be able to uh, take care of that. Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, it's, uh, that just came out on. Yeah. It's um, we're we're dealing with a lot of injuries right now. That's just the reality. Uh, and so, ultimately, my job is to make sure that I I get a group on the field to to go out and, and win the game. And so, when we built this roster, um, it was built you know for any of these guys to play. We believe in every single one of them. Um, and so, you know, we're in a are we in a tough spot right now, numbers wise? Yeah, we are. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, but I still believe in everybody that I do have healthy and, uh, and certainly believe that they'll all be prepared if their numbers, their numbers called. And I expect them to all be prepared, uh, when their numbers called. but yeah, there's a, those three for sure. It's going to be, it's going to be a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know how deep you guys are. I've licked my lips with St. Louis FC at a matchup with a lot of injuries. And a lot of times you guys win those games and maybe most of the time. So, um, I know firsthand, um, yeah. But you may want to fill those with some, you mentioned the Academy and trying to get that going. You guys have just upgraded so many different ways um, from the beginning to now, as far as the stadium and everything, the women's program, you mentioned um, getting that Academy going, I'm sure is like you said, a pretty high priority. Um, do you have, can you maybe let us know how that Academy is going as far as what the, the competition they're playing and, and maybe some players that might stand a chance starting or uh, seeing some minutes with you this year? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm I'm so impressed by uh, what our uh, you know James O'Connor, Mario Sanchez, Simon Bird, Luke Spence, what they're doing with the academy. That's just some of them, to be clear. That's not everybody, um, but what they're doing is is amazing. So you go out, you drive down what we have here, River Road, um, and you you see our training facility on the right, and from three from four thirty to nine thirty at night, there's kids out there. Um, in Louisville City gear, and it is amazing. It really is, and it's special. And I, I, I truly believe it's, it's a testament to our ownership group, you know, to our president, to the club, what what we've done within the community, uh, and for for the community. And the club has been phenomenal. And so, when you talk about integrating these guys, um, it's it's sitting down with Mario, sitting down with James, sitting down with Simon me obviously going and watching as well um, and trying to put together individual development plans for these kids. We just had a meeting about it the other day and then looking at, okay, well, where are they at right now? You know, is there, uh, is there an opportunity for them to, to join the first team uh, in training and then evaluate them in that setting as opposed to the academy setting? 
uh, and we've we've done that all year. So it's been it's been great. I think those relationships between myself and that group of guys is really important, um, and it's always open. And do we always agree? No, but that's the beauty of what I was just telling you about before. I think that that's important when you're evaluating players and and looking to continue to grow the club. So ultimately, really happy with that piece of it. Absolutely. It sounds like we might be uh, seeing the fruit of those labors in the near future. And I look forward to it. Uh, like I said, it almost feels like the final piece for that, for your club there. Um, all right, let's get this one out of the way. MTV um, made in 2011. Uh, it sounds like they brought you in to try to teach some guy how to play soccer. <laughs> what happened? Listen, <laughs> as long as you promise that you'll edit this part out of it. I can no. do that. Uh, I was, uh, I was playing for the Houston dynamo at the time. Uh, I think you said 2011, right? It was 2011. Yeah. Yeah. So it was my third year in Houston. Um, and I got a, uh, my agent got a, a phone call from, from MTV that there was a, there was a kid, um, in Arizona where I'm from, where I was going to spend the off season, um, who really wants to, he was in, I think what they called drama at the time, you know, uh, drama class. Like he, he liked to be in the plays and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he wanted to try to be turned into a soccer player. Um, and so, you know, my agent asked me, is this, you know, something you would like to do? And I said, listen, if this is something that the kid really wants to do, I think it'd be great. I really didn't know a ton about the TV show, to be honest with you. Um, so I wasn't sure what I was getting myself into. Um, but ultimately, like I talked to you about before, it's about those relationships. And so I started to try to build a relationship with this kid. It wasn't just about the TV show. Um, you know, went through a, a long period of uh, 30 days, I should say, really, wow. um, of trying to get to know him, understand what he wanted, you know, not just out of the show, but in life um, and things like that. It was pretty clear to me that he wanted to be, he wanted to be an actor. This is what the kid loved to oh, do. Boy. And so I'm trying to you know, teach him how to be a soccer player when, you know, he wanted to try that. Don't get me wrong, but I could sure. tell where his passion was. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, about halfway through the show, I ended up, uh, having to go, uh, to England for soccer. Um, and so one of my teammates actually flew into Arizona to finish the show mm -hmm. with him. So it was, uh, it was certainly an interesting, um, experience that's for sure but i did enjoy working with with the kid he gave me everything that he could if your next question is did he make the team no he did not make the team <laughs> yeah well as long as he gave it his all at first i was gonna say maybe you got bailed out of a really bad situation but if he put some effort into it that's good right that's all you could ask for oh uh, that's that's all you could ask for actually here's a quick funny part he <laughs> so i he tells me at one point during the show that this is where I finally realized about TV in general. Okay. Mm -hmm. He tells me at one point in the show, Danny, I, I quit. I spend an hour, one hour trying to get him not to quit. Okay. Uh, the TV, the, when, when the episode gets played, they showed the last two minutes of my hour long conversation <laughs> where I said, if you quit, you quit. Like that was it. Not the hour, not the hour long of me explaining to him about why it's important to not quit something that you started, things like that. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Listen, man, every story needs a villain, and they just needed you to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, 
It was great, though. What an experience. It was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. And you better believe when I went into the locker room with Houston, like all of those guys played the episode on the, on the TV screen right when I walked in there. Unbelievable. Of course they did. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you don't say no to something like that. You know, you got to go see what it's about. That's cool yeah, that you did why it. Yeah, not? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Well, Danny, anything else you want to fit in before we go? No, I appreciate your time. Um, you know, here if you ever need anything, and, and uh, looking forward to the rest of the year and pushing forward here uh, here at Louisville City. So, yeah, well, it's a great organization, and I think part of what makes them great is they chose you. You know, this should be we all considered this to be as smooth a transition as you could ask for in such a bad situation. And so, um, Danny, thanks for talking to me today. Wish you all the best this year, and and yeah, hopefully we'll talk again soon, man. You got it. Thanks so much, brother.